podcast for June 17, 2010. Uh, let me go around the table and introduce our participants today. We've got Mr. Jeff Simpson. Welcome, Jeff. Greetings, Hunter. Chuck S. Monster Esquire from VegasTribute.com. What's happening, Chuck? It is always great to be back here with the Vegas gang. I love you guys. I love <laughs> this show. I love the people who listen to it and post comments. And I am just supremely thankful for Hunter's unwavering dedication to get this thing organized every two weeks. Awesome. Okay. I'm so psyched to fully be here. If only it was every two weeks, right? I hope that wasn't uh, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, well, you know, whatever. We're <laughs> in the realm of two-week possibilities, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, well, great. I'm glad to hear that. Um, Dr. Dave Schwartz from UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Hey, Dave. Hey there. Um, my name is Hunter Hilligus. I'm at RateVegas.com. Um, before we get into our topics, a couple of really quick announcements. Um, Vegas Podcast of Palooza 3. Um, we still don't have a firm date yet. Uh, we have um, a date in mind, but um, we haven't confirmed everything yet, so we're not quite ready to announce it. But um, we know folks are um, interested in those details so they can make travel plans if they are uh, thinking about coming out. Um, so we're going to have that very soon. It, um, it's sounding like it's going to be a lot of fun, and, um, well, it should be a lot of fun. So should, looking forward to that, and just stay tuned, and we'll have that info as quick as we possibly can. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was um, a quick plug from my own self. For those people that are um, iPhone users that are uh, using the Vegas Made application, you may be aware that there's uh, a new iPhone being released next week with some new capabilities. Um, for those that are wondering, we, I'm hard at work at uh, updating Vegas Mate to take advantage of that stuff, and uh, that updated version will be out very soon. The current version runs fine, but we want to take advantage of some of those updates. So for those folks that are curious, that will be coming out very soon. Um, and that's it for the announcement, so let's just get into the meat of the issue. Um, we've got, uh, since our last show, the last show we did, I think, was the day before the Encore Beach Club opened. Since then, um, there's been wind has been in the news um, for different for a few different things. I think some interesting uh, some interesting discussion topics. First off, the Encore Beach Club did open. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to get to take a tour um, and uh, check it out, see it firsthand. Um, it, you know, it's, uh, the pictures have been posted all over the internet. So I think if it's something you're interested in, I'm sure you've seen those already. Uh, you know, it's a nice facility. It's, um, as I told, uh, uh, Jennifer Dunn, who's the head of, uh, of PR at Wynn, this is the nicest hotel amenity I have absolutely no interest in. Um, it, it's very, it's very nice. Um, but it's, you know, I personally don't care at all about beach clubs or pools, um, but it's you know it seems like in its first days was getting some people obviously we'll have to see over time uh, how it does but um, you know I think it's probably going to make a bunch of money for them but that leads us to our next two win related topics which um, both are at least somewhat related to making money um, let's start with the resort fee and Chuck you covered this extensively on Vegas tripping um, I think you were probably the first person on the interwebs to post about it. And you also had some back and forth with the company about it. So can you 
give a quick blow-by-blow as far as what happened? Absolutely. We received an anonymous tip uh, one day last week that uh, Wynn would be uh, instituting a $20 resort fee on all uh, non-tower accommodations at Wynn Las Vegas and Encore. Uh, Immediately after getting this tip, uh, I checked the Wynn website, and sure enough, their reservation system was down. It was, we're not accepting reservations now with an error. Uh, so, you know, that, is, that makes me uh, assume that something was happening. I'm like, well, maybe this, is, uh, this, this uh, theory actually holds water, you know? Uh, so I posted pretty much, you know, this is, we got a tip. Uh, it's down. You know, we'll let you know as soon as we know something. Within an hour, I got an email from the uh, previously mentioned lovely Jennifer Dunn from uh, Wynn Resorts. And she, you know, confirmed that that was happening and gave me the official word, the official statement. Included in the resort fee is access to the gym uh, and complimentary Internet access and maybe a couple other, uh, you know, sideshows. But those are pretty much the two main things. Uh, the reaction from from people uh, is 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 as wide is as wide ranging as one would expect. Uh, some people, you know, believe that a luxury hotel such as Win and Encore should not be nickel and diming people. You know, just raise your hotel rates and be done with it. Um, other people are like, well, you know, I'd be, I'd pay fourteen bucks for the you know, for the internet, so another six bucks doesn't really bother me. So, uh, you know, it seems like some people are are are, are really uh, against this, though. But some people who seem before it are the competitors, particularly Caesar's Palace. Their uh, their Twitter uh, people uh, have posted numerous uh, straight up slaps in the face to win that they've added a. Uh, uh, a resort fee, which is really kind of fascinating because, you know, Wynn has always been the one kind of doing the bitch slapping of other properties. So to see somebody else just rear up there on the Internet and just go, you know, right across right. the state is, is really friggin' fun to watch <laughs> from, from, well, from the sidelines here. What, one thing that um, that you – that was also part of this, this conversation on, on Vegas tripping was the fact that when the when the fee was originally introduced, it was almost impossible to determine as part of the checkout process that you were being charged this fee. It was buried in these terms and conditions uh, where most people would never notice, um, you know, until they checked in. And so there was definitely a reaction to you know that tactic. People were concerned that it was not obvious enough. Um, and that there are people, you know, you're going to get dinged unsuspectingly with uh, with an additional charge. Yeah, Hunter. That, that, know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me just uh, interject really quickly, Hunter. As you know, as a person who builds interfaces for your applications, you know the process of task of what somebody is doing at a given time is as important as the hierarchy and the architecture of the information being presented to them. And in Win's checkout system. They basically, you go through the whole process of checking the room, which one you want, finding the dates, confirming the dates, and then you put in your credit card and then you click submit. Well, there's a teeny weeny little link right before you hit submit. After you've already decided, after you've already elected to go get your wallet and put out your card, where they send you to a uh, terms and conditions pop up, 
and halfway down the bottom of that, they say that you will be charged $20 a day. You know, and they do mention it twice in that terms and conditions, too. But, you know, you can't tack on a fee that is completely hidden. It has to be presented before you make that agreement. Otherwise, it's absolutely, by law, is a hidden add-on charge. I think that I think that Hunter hit the nail on the head that um, in the, the most important factor is that the consumer be informed. If the consumer knows about the resort fee, I really have no complaint. I mean, you know, you can say a $99 room at Caesars Palace with no fee. How does that compare to a $179 room at at win plus twenty dollars, meaning it's one ninety nine. You know, I, I think that, and you can make your comparative decision. Um, you know, and uh, Orbitz will do a. You know, I'm sure that Orbitz and Expedia and the big, you know, travel booking websites will do a room rate and total cost um, that includes those kind of fees. So, uh, and so, I, I really think that. For most consumers, it shouldn't be a problem. I do think that, you know, it will ensnare a few, you know, people in a hurry, people who don't read. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't like that, but I guess they have their own marketing-related reasons for doing it. I think, you know, that way they can say the room rate is is X. It shouldn't be that big of a deal for Wynn to do, but um, I guess there are some you know, small tax savings um, because of the new uh, increased room tax. But, you know, in general, I think that it's not that big of a deal. My preference would be that they not do that. Um, but, you know, this sort of connects to something that we've been saying for the last couple of years is that, you know, and, and, and maybe it will end in six months or eight months, but I really hope that for anyone who loves to come to Las Vegas and makes frequent visits, you know, yeah, get an informed room rate, do some really good comparison shopping, but stay at the best place you can right now because it really is such a great opportunity. You know, three, four, five years ago, people were constantly, you know, emailing and calling me and saying, well, I, I just can't afford, you know, to stay. I mean, they couldn't afford, people couldn't afford to stay at Mandalay Bay on the weekend, much less win or um palazzo or bellagio now people can stay at much better places than they used to and they should don't think don't say oh i'm gonna stay at um tropicana and then you know go see mandalay bay and bellagio stay at the best place you could afford because three or four or five years from now you're not going to be able to do that well one of the things i wanted to expand on was their reasons for doing this um, and this is, again, um, to cite the paper of record over at VegasTripping.com. Um, you, you guys explored this a little bit, too, uh, with multiple almost conspiracy theory level, um, you know, <laughs> breakdown. Uh, you know, so I, in, and expand on this if, I, if I'm missing any. But, you know, there's the thought um, that maybe it has something to do with their upcoming room renovation project. Uh, maybe it has something to do with the way that people comparison shop um, on prices, sort of similar to airlines, and how then how added fees aren't are part of that number. Um, of, of course, we've talked in the past about resort fees related to room taxes, which Jeff you just alluded to. Um, 
Chuck, am I missing am I missing anything? And and do you have any idea if there's a consensus on why they're going forward with this? I you know the only other thing you're missing is that uh, you know they just want to make more money. Uh, I think there's probably more competition. They're feeling maybe more competition uh, to a degree. You know when Encore is sort of in a class by itself. Uh, so who knows how well they can compete, but if they're, you know, starting to dip their toes into the uh, the pool scene, and then and, and that means they're probably going to want to start strategically lowering their hotel rates, uh, you know, and, and going after more directly, more going after the uh, NGM Mirage uh, clientele. So that that's another possibility that we haven't really uh, uh, explored. On the, on the site, though. I've got to tell you something. That clip, um, the YouTube clip from Encore Beach Club that you had on uh, <laughs> Vegas Tripping is absolutely one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I would pay 20 bucks to be, get away from that. <laughs> just, I, I don't understand the appeal. That was just weird. <laughs> well, the, that was great. As a longtime fan of resort fees, I think you maybe were the first person I I heard rant about these. I think after you had a relative day yeah. at Ranch five, four, four, oh, yeah. four years ago, whatever. Um, how do you feel about this? I mean, this is the you know arguably the premier property properties in in the town, and now they're getting in on this uh, as well. I think they're exactly what you don't want to do. You know, you want to give people options. People come to Vegas. Number one, they don't want to hassle. Number Two, they want choices, so give them choices. Tell them if they want to take the gold package for the room, it's an extra 20 bucks, and they get all the stuff thrown in. And if they don't, if they want to take the platinum package, it's an extra 100 bucks, and they get even more stuff thrown in. You know, give them some options. Don't force them. You know, it's the last. You're going to stay at a luxury hotel and pamper yourself. The last thing you want to do is feel like you're being forced to fork over an extra 20 bucks a night. So I don't think they're a good idea. I think if you want to make more money, there's plenty of ways that you can optimize your revenues and market yourself better than doing that. Right. I mean, if it truly is um, a savings for the customer, which is how they always frame this, it's a convenience for the, for the customer, for the guest. If it really is, then make it optional. You know, some people may opt in. If you're going to use internet every day and you're going to use the gym and it is actually a net savings, then great. Then then that's awesome. You buy it as a bundle, and you know if you don't end up using it, then they maybe make an extra buck. But I, I the thing that turns me off is this BS about it being a guest convenience when it's obvious it's just a way to get some more money for whatever the reason. Yeah, and uh, you know, really the whole idea, the reason why people come to Vegas is because they want to get something for nothing. Even if they're, you know, you know that the people who are playing enough video poker to get the points on their car to get the satin baseball jacket or whatever, you know, you know that they're playing way more than the satin baseball jacket costs or the T-shirt or the trucker cap. But, you know, they've got the – they feel like they're getting something for nothing. You sh They should carry that over to the rooms too. You know, don't make people feel like, oh, wow, I got a decent deal on the room rate, but it's getting jacked up another, you know – 10, 15%. So I can, you know, for stuff I'm not going to use, you know, that's, that's the opposite. You're taking money out of people's pockets and you're not giving them value back. So find a way to give them value, but get them to spend more money. And, it, and especially at a property like, and especially at a property like Wynn, don't give people a reason to be annoyed. I, I bet a huge portion of their customers 
would just rather, you know, give people Wi-Fi free, give people everything that, you know, all those kind of things. You know, there's certain, you know, I mean, even admission to the spa probably should be complimentary. You know, services obviously more. But, you know, using the gym or using the spa, I mean, maybe they don't have enough um, space in those um, outlets to give to give that. But if they do, you know, don't nickel and dime people at the best place in town. It just, you know, I, to me, I think it's sort of nice that people, and, and maybe they're finding at this for the last few years they have, you know, or the last two years, they've had a less upscale clientele because the price, the the room pricing is allowing a different kind of customer to come in. So maybe there's some, you know, they're worried about people overusing those facilities. But, you know, to me, I, even though I don't think it's really, you know, a horrible thing for the consumer, it just seems right at the top of the market. Don't be nickel and diming people. You know, it's the the reason one of the reasons I found this this topic interesting was because the company may well, may me not uh, through a super loud megaphone, but to me and to other people I know at certain points in the past year said that this was not a policy that they were going to institute that they you know they were aware other properties were doing resort fees, but it wasn't on their agenda so clearly they there was a reversal there uh, another important reversal for when uh, in the past week, which is regarding some layoffs. Good segue. Um, yeah, <laughs> something that the company said, or Steve Wynn has said he would would not do, um, and it's my understanding he has not in his long career in Las Vegas. He decided to um, to lay off some employees that they they say they're overstaffed, and in tandem they'll be reversing a change that they made last year where they cut. Uh, cut hours for some hourly employees and did some salary reductions and, um, you know, I think eliminated 401k matching contributions and some other benefits. So they'll be reversing that change, but also I think it's something like 200 people will be laid off. Um, interesting move. Uh, does this have, is this a commentary on the health of the company? Is the official line from, from the company that it's, that it's to improve worker morale? Is that, is that true, is or is that BS, Jeff? What do you think about that? Well, I think it's just it it, it is a, a couple things together. Um, when you cut people from forty hours to thirty two hours, you're still paying their full time benefits, so there is a cost to the company. Um, now he says it will result in increasing payroll cost, um, but I you know it seems like when you have and I, and I guess that's because they realize the savings of paying the benefits for those people who are now laid off. Um, but to me, you know, and, and, and you probably, you know, in any organization, I don't know if it's a bell curve or what the shape of the curve is, but there is, when you look at the, you know, the um, efficacy of the um, workforce, there's people, you know, who are fantastic and, and will be sorely missed. There's a great middle who are probably pretty darn good at what they do. And then there's the bottom end of the curve where the left side of the curve, those people probably wouldn't be missed a lot or you may even benefit from their departure. And so I'm not saying there's a lot of people like that at Wynn, but 
by after you know a couple years of or at least a year and a half of sticking to this i don't want to lay people off i want everybody to just make do with less money or fewer hours i think they said you know look let's try and identify some of the weak performers um the folks who maybe we don't need as well and uh and eliminate them it'll it'll get everybody back up to full pay um, and, and, and knowing when he is a kind of person who could be persuaded by a few employees who would say, look, I can't make it on this 80% or 70% or whatever it was of my former salary. I'm going to lose my house. I can't pay for, you know, my daughter's operation or whatever. And, uh, you know, he's the kind of a guy who might take that information in and make a ch- and change his mind. Um, you know, I, I, I think what he did before was so he was sort of the lone the lone wolf in the city. Um, most everybody was laying people off right and left and reducing hours. Um, I think he sort of got back in league with everybody else. And this is sort of like the kind of situation you have with unions, where the the, the whole union has to consider whether everyone should take a you know smaller percentage pay cut or whether a, a percentage of people will be let go. In seniority-driven organizations, typically they say, well, sorry to those with less seniority. In this, in this case, it took, um, you know, Wynn changing his mind to say, look, yeah, we, we have been all a team, but it's too much pain for the vast majority of the staff to absorb for that long. Yeah. Um, Dave, as far as you know, am I right that this is not something he's done in the past over his multi-corporation career? I don't believe he has. Um, But I think the more important thing is that this really, you know, you look at the timing of it. It's the beginning of summer. Summer is usually when casinos have more people. You know, they're usually hiring up a little bit. So it really should be telling us that Wynn is pretty pessimistic about the near future in Vegas. He is doesn't and believe that things are going to turn around anytime soon. You're absolutely right. Now he has done lay- layoffs that have been, you know, um, when Wynn first opened. If you'll remember, like six to months to a year after it opened, um, there were some uh, reductions in force, um, probably er- erroneously reported on our uh, um, journalistically unsound television stations in Las Vegas, but. <laughs> Um, but what what happens when Wynn has always opened with a very robust staff, and he sort of you know um, puts them into Darwinian competition to see who's going to stay. Um, some people leave on their own. Some people are pushed out the door uh, because they're not meeting the standards that their you know supervisors um, set for them. So th- they always have fairly substantial, fairly quick turnover right at the start of opening a property. Most properties in Las Vegas sort of take the opposite, or not the opposite, but they take sort of a foolish approach of opening with less staff than they need, and then they find themselves scrambling and uh, having a real difficult time serving their customers um, when people don't have a lot of experience on site. Um, So Wynn always tries to take the other approach make sure, you know, it still may not be perfectly smooth, but at least he has a lot of people around to try and cater to the clients. Eventually, those people are let go. I believe he did that at Bellagio as well. Instead of opening with, 
you know, the 7,000 he really needs, he opens with 8,000. And, you know, by one way or another, a thousand of them are gone within a year. Well, it's um, it's definitely interesting to see, and um, you know they're they're able to spin anything any which way, but um, you know uh, it, it sort of makes uh, it's it's easy to look at Wind Resorts as sort of this this company that almost operates on its own in its own sphere and its own uh, with its own control over uh over the laws of physics um and this is a maybe a reminder that uh you know nobody is immune from some of these uh some of these macroeconomic trends even even a company like Wind Resorts um we've got uh, more news from uh from down the street or up the street depending on uh, how you want to look at it um MGM Mirage or the company formerly known as MGM Mirage MGM Resorts International um, had their name change ratified, and uh, by their shareholders, they had a shareholder meeting this last week. Um, and my dog is going crazy because someone is take, trimming a tree outside my house. Okay, um, sorry about that. So yes, in fact, MGM Resorts International. It's actually going to take me a while to get used to saying that. Um, they uh, they have now officially changed their name. They're going through that process, and uh, you know everybody's getting new letterhead and new business cards, I guess. Um, but you know it's been interesting over the last few days, and I'm just going to combine roll up some some MGM and City Center topics here. There's been some interesting discussion about uh, City Center, um, both in the meeting uh, in terms of people asking questions and some of the the press that goes along with those kinds of meetings, and then also. There was an interesting story in the Sun today um, that paralleled an interesting story on Vegas tripping um, about uh, about Aria and how it's faring on uh, on ratings rating sites and and the reaction to that, which I think is very interesting. Um, Chuck, can you tell us a little bit about that last bit? Because um, I know you posted the original Vegas tripping story, and then there was uh, Liz Benson's story in, in the Sun, which was very much along the same lines. Yeah, well, it's it's pretty simple, you know. Over the over the course of uh, the six or seven months or so since Aria has been open, uh, they've been uh, pretty much getting clobbered in the online review websites. Yelp is the one I cited. Uh, Liz, I believe, mentioned uh, TripAdvisor and Yelp a little bit. Um, Yelp publishes a, a a a graph, a bell curve, so you can see what the trends of reviews are, ratings and reviews, and, uh, you know, it's getting a little bit better, but for a resort, they claim to be, uh, you know, at the top of their list, uh, they're doing pretty much like three-star, three-and-a-half-star kind of ratings, and it should be infinitely higher than that. You know, they can spend all this money on, on the architecture and the building and the technology and everything else, you know, they should be providing a stellar guest experience, bugs and all, uh, right from the get-go. And they ab- obviously have not been. Um, so Liz seemed to uh, go into that and, and bring these uh, questions uh, pulled from some of these online reviews to uh, Jim Mern, who uh, responded with a, with a whole array of, of things they are doing to, uh, to uh, change ARIA, which includes 
uh, doing a little bit of uh, employee retraining. Uh, they're putting some shrubs around the building <laughs> because some people think it's too architecturally hard. <laughs> uh, they're going to make an ARIA art walk iPhone application <laughs> and suspensions and the crystals. And they're going to have right. a farmer's market. <laughs> so, right. So these are the things that he suggested, right? And I know, Dave, you know, you were quoted in this article too, so I'm sure you have some thoughts. But my impression from this and also other other responses he's given to some people that are sort of questioning whether our city center is on the right track, it, it seems like they, the kind of changes they're talking about making are window dressing. They're not addressing some of the core problems that, that – the guests seem to think exist. This has been an issue since about 2008, the first quarter. I've got, um, in global gaming business, I'm going to have a pretty big cover story, history of ARIA, history of City Center from concept to opening coming out. And looking over all the press materials, it became really clear that as late as 2007, they were expanding the project and going more upscale. They actually... That's when the price really bumped up was in late 2007, and they said we're going more upscale. Board of directors signed off on it. Everything was great, and then they never really came back from that. And when I interviewed Jim Murren, I, I asked him point blank, well, obviously the market changed. What did you do in reaction? And he said basically we adjusted price points to some of the facilities and food and beverage options, but basically we stuck to our guns, and we didn't want to compromise. So either right. that's really bold or that's just not reading the market right. You know, and I think that's I think they're still in that same mode. You know, I think it's just a failure to say this is not what the town needs right now. Um some of the work I've done with the April numbers, you can see that even four months, maybe even five months after the casino opened, this there's still not a big raise in things like slot handle and things like overall table handle. So they're just not drawing the people here that they need to be. Right. I mean, they, you know, they anticipated a pretty significant, a healthy um, uptick in visitation based, you know, off the city center. And as, as far as I can tell, that hasn't happened. We're halfway through the year. Um, they're going to have a lot of ground to, to try and cover. So they're going to try and meet those goals. Yeah, so that clearly hasn't happened. So now the question should be, what do you do about it? And I would say at the end of the day, it's a casino, it's a hospitality business. They have to figure out how to be more hospitable to people and whether that's using more social media or just, I don't know, somehow finding out what people want, want and giving it to them. That's what they really have to do. It's crucial. I think it's really simple. It's really simple, this answer. Teach your employees to smile. Teach them to say please and thank you. Teach them to be helpful. Teach them to know exactly where to find the answers that they will need to find if they don't know. Teach them to treat their guests with utmost respect. When you do that and you make people feel like they're comfortable and at home and that their business is welcome, they will continue to give business. It's just yep. that simple. The building is fine. There's nothing wrong with the structure. Lights, no lights, who cares? If you don't feel like you're at home, if you don't feel like you're welcome, you don't feel like you're being serviced or taken care of for the money you're spending, you're not going to want to go there, whether it's McDonald's, Tony Roma's, Best Buy, or whatever. That's a good point, Chuck. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, it's hard, very hard to disagree with that. 
um, that, you know, people will overlook a lot of other things if they, they feel like they're getting great service, having a great time. It's funny, as you were talking about, at, you know, reminding your employees to smile, when you go downstairs at Bellagio in the employee areas, there are signs all over the place saying, you know, don't forget to greet your guests, greet the guests when you see them and, and um, smile at them in the hallway and say good morning and that kind of stuff. Just sort of reminders for the employees as they're going through their day. I And I could be wrong about this. I don't recall seeing that kind of stuff downstairs at Aria. It's just an interesting um, juxtaposition between, you know, the, the way that these two facilities are maybe built and were set up. Um, and, and that may have not have a material impact, and I uh, may even be wrong, and they may have more of that stuff than I remember. But um, it, it is interesting. I, you know, I, I, uh, one of the things I complained about at a couple of days at Aria was just um, not really being engaged by employees. They often felt a little bit cold. And that, of course, was not universal. There were some, some very friendly folks working there, too. But, um, you know, walking by the housekeeper in the hallway and they, you know, turn away and don't even look at you. It's it's not the best feeling. It's not the standard stand to the side. Say, Good afternoon, sir. How are you? You know, can I get you anything? You know, none of that. None of that really good quality service. I tell you what, Hunter, the first week that we were there, like one night I was up late and I was playing uh, whatever. I was playing video poker and I was playing crowds, just gambling by myself. I was having a good time. I was up till like 4 o'clock in the morning. I went and stumbled to my room. The key didn't work, okay? I'm like, God damn it, the electronic key thing doesn't work. So, like, where's the house phone? I go and I found the house phone, and the house phone doesn't work. I'm like, God damn it, the house phone. And then, like, I see a person delivering room service, and they come up to me, and they see me there, and instead of saying, uh, sir, are you okay? Can I help you? They say, do you know where room 27329 is? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like... You're asking me? I've only been in this building for two days. You should have been here at least a week by now. You should know how the numbers kind of work, this bizarre X-shaped thing. I'm like, I look around, like, it's that way. Off they go. They didn't even say good night, thank you, have a good day, see you later. Nothing. Not one piece of, like, nicest. And I'm still standing here completely fucked. I had to walk all the way down to the front desk, drunk and beat and tired, to get my card recharged. Wow. Oof. Yeah, you know, if I was if I was not a person who understands how this stuff kind of works, and yeah, there's going to be busted stuff, I would be absolutely irate. I would have given them a one or a two, you know, on, on Yelp and TripAdvisor, and I would tell all my friends that they have no idea what they're doing, and I'm never going there again. You know, I think I think this kind of runs through a lot of stuff. I'm just gonna. I don't usually do this one. I'm gonna. I'm inspired by Chuck. I'm gonna share a little thing that happened to me at American Fish uh, when I was there a little while ago. Um, person I was with ordered, you know, ordered from the wine list, and I felt like a beer. So I'm like, hey, do you have a beer list? And the waitress says, well, they're probably beers you haven't heard of before. What a good move. I'm like, well, that's cool. I'm always going to try new stuff, you know. And it's like, well, either you're telling me your beer list is crap or you're telling me that I'm some kind of dork who doesn't know good beer. Well, yeah. you should have said, listen, listen, man, I'm Dr. Dave. Don't you? Yeah, I'm like, like no, that's cool, man. I don't – I'm like, I don't – and then, what, you know, I had something. I forget what it was, but it was a really good beer that I hadn't heard of. But there was 
stuff in there that pretty much anyone would have heard of. So I don't know. It just it just struck me as like, wow, that's a really unusual comment to make to somebody, you know, instead of trying to say, oh, you know, we've got some great beer. Here it is. You know, it Thank seems you. pretty much a no-brainer. They must have trained at that bar on the uh, TV commercial where the girl asks the guy when he'll uh, want a beer that a light beer with ta- with taste, and then uh, and then dogs him about his man purse. So uh, yeah, that's some that that is pretty bad customer service. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I am from South Jersey. I'm used to getting my stones busted pretty much anywhere I go. <laughs> no, and I, hey, I'm. Hey, I I do it too. You know, I love the bus stones too, but it's like, mm, you know, maybe not when I'm when I'm asking to look at the beer list. Yeah, the same thing happened to to uh, me the second time I started, and Hunter was there. He witnessed this. Oh, yeah. The guy, the guy's like, hey, "You want a drink?" And I said, "I'd like to have a Hendrix gin and tonic." And you wouldn't happen to have like a, a, a cucumber garnish, would you? Which is how Hendrix suggests you serve their gin. You know, it's on the bottle. Anybody who knows anything about Hendrix or gin or decent gin knows that you serve this with a cucumber. He looks at me like, why would you want that? It's all ordering and kind of walks away. <laughs> you, know, you don't ask me. If I ask you I want a cigarette served in my gin and tonic, you know, you just give it to me because that's the way I want it. You know, you don't, you don't tell me, no, you can't have a maraschino. Why do you want a maraschino cherry in your... In your, uh, you know, your Rob, sweet Rob Roy, you know, it's stupid. <laughs> this is this is pathetic. You wonder why people get give this fun to you on Yelp. This is why. Chimba, wake up. So, Jeff, we <laughs> haven't heard from you with any ranting or raving here. I, I, I'm in a more on a more serious note. How do you feel about how City Center's doing? Do you feel like it's living up to the lofty expectations that they set for themselves? I mean, it clearly is not yet. I think that they had, you know, they really had sort of um, very aggressive expectations. And and quite frankly, so did Sands with Palazzo. So did Wynn with Encore. Um, You know, I I remember Wynn telling me he's going to be getting, you know, 80 bucks or, you know, 40, 50, 80 bucks more than Wynn at a time when Wynn was pulling in 250 you know, obviously the recession has pulled the rug out from under a lot of these folks. Now, maybe City Center has contributed because of its immensity to how bad the city's doing right now, even though the economy at least seems to be, if not turning around fully, it's no longer in free fall. Um, but in terms of how City Center specifically is doing, I think that you know, one of the things that we like to talk about a lot on here, and you guys talk a lot about, a lot about on your uh, websites and blogs, is the look of places. And, you know, one of the things, I've talked to a few people from, from out of town who say, you know, what, when you're looking at city center from the sides or from the west, in other words, on the other side of I-15, um, the it, city center along with Cosmopolitan, just have no wow factor at all. You know, maybe a little bit with the back. You know, there is a decent marquee over there, and the parking garages are probably the most attractive parking garages (laughs) in the city. But that's not really a selling point for casino (laughs) customers. 
And and the only people who who really seem to glom onto the the how the prop where where the property looks good is from the front. You know, especially on Harmon, it's a pretty good looking property. The front of crystals, you can see the actual veer and the veer towers. You know, Mandarin, and and obviously the the shortened Harmon is a is a problem, but. It doesn't. It, it does look pretty interesting from the front. I, you know, there's not a lot of wow factor. I mean, incredible wow factor. But I still, I still think that that the whole thing sort of looks like an onion, and you got to go all the way back into the middle of it to get into the casino. I remain skeptical about the design of the whole footprint and how it will lead to, you know, it's almost like the property abandoned foot traffic. And anyone who knows anything about Las Vegas, even in the baking hot middle of the summer, I mean, I'm amazed when I'm on the strip at this time of year through September, there are, you know, thousands of people midday walking up and down sidewalks. And they sacrifice that business. Now, some of them, I'm sure, you know, find their way through the labyrinth to get in there and gamble or whatever. But, you know, you know, I think in, I remember two years ago talking with you guys about the look of the property and the way the place is designed. And we all pretty much agreed, I think, you know, we were skeptical, but interested to see if it works, but certainly wondering about how different it is than other properties. And at least for the first half year, I think we have to say that they have not proven to me yet, or proven maybe to you guys too, that it is a working footprint. It is a working design that is going to lead to a lot of business. You know, I mean, they haven't proven that they're the best place in the market that's so good that there will be enough limoed in, you know, fly-in visitors that they can do without foot traffic, do without drive-in tr- customers. I think that property still has a whole lot to prove and no suggestion yet that it is going to end up in the, you know, I thought for sure top three, four properties in the city. I'm not convinced of that yet. I, I, you know, if, if I was going to sum up my feelings about it in a nutshell, um, I think those last couple sentences would be, uh, would be pretty close. I mean, yes, I, I agree. It still has an awful lot to prove. It hasn't fulfilled its promise. Um, and I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, I guess, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll just leave it at that. Um, it's, uh, still got a long way to go. Um, let's see. So we've got a couple more things on the list here. One is I'm going to move a couple things around because I wanted to get some opinions, um, on this one story in particular, especially since, um, Jeff, you, uh, you know, spent, had a, have had a long career in the, in the journalism business and, um, Chuck, you know, you uh, you're publishing a popular website, uh, and this is a story about the Las Vegas Review Journal, and um, through an affiliated company, uh, Right Haven LLC, um, filing lawsuits against folks that have published uh, parts or complete um, complete Las Vegas Review Journal articles. Um, this story is interesting because they've been, in my opinion, fairly aggressive about this. Um, I don't think that there's any dispute that um, you know that they own these copyrights and that they have a, a right to protect them. 
um, the interesting part is that uh, in, is that the way that they're doing it. Um, you know, it's with the web, you get all comers. You have um, you know professional organizations that understand and know the rules, and you know mostly try to play by them or or explicitly um, you know throw them out the window. Uh, and then you have a lot of self publishers and small small folks and and people that maybe don't understand the rules and don't understand what the harm is in posting something. And um, the review journal's uh, stance on this seems to be, uh, we don't care about any of that. We're going to nuke anyone that we think is, uh, you know, abusing, abusing our, our copyright. Um, I think this is an interesting story. Um, I, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. Um, Jeff, maybe I'll start with you. I mean, you know, you've you've had a long career in Las Vegas journalism. How, when you read about this, what do you think? I mean, is this um, is this completely okay? Is this just uh, you know what what they're entitled to do given given their copyright? I'll split the baby and say it's partially okay. I think that you know for 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 businesses that are operating websites that. You know, whole you know, uh, um, you know, the the whole their whole business is just grabbing interesting content from, you know, content creators um, and just stealing it, putting it on their website. You know, deriving whatever advertising revenue they can from it. You know, those kind of companies that operate that way and you know in a wholesale way. You know, um, I think that. Even you know, just going after them, suing them for violating their rights—if there's any way they can get anything out of them—I think that's good. Um, I think that, on the other hand, going after you know mom and pop blogs, you know cat blogs, or you know any any kind of business that doesn't look any kind of website that doesn't look that it's like it's you know a significant profit money generator. Um, I think that you certainly would want to approach them and let them know, hey, you're not. This is our content. You're not allowed to post it. Please remove it. But you can always, you know, write a paragraph or two about it and link to it. Whatever, you know. I know that there aren't any clearly defined rules, but I think that's pretty much a universally, uh, uh, or not near universally, um, you know, recognized method of just, you know, graph or two. A little, maybe a summary and you know and and a link. Um, I would have no problem with that. I think that they are giving themselves a bad name. I know that in the journalism business, um, they you know a lot of companies are eyeing moves to sort of toughen toughen up on on the loss of their content, and that makes sense. But you know to go after some personal blog, a cat blog, or Whatever else, it just makes them look petty. It makes them look vindictive. The thing about Right Haven is, you know, they gave themselves this arm's length separation, even though they own it or own part of it. And the the thing that's really ridiculous is that the the way the law is written, people don't really you don't really have to warn. You can just you know demonstrate proof that they stole your content or and and posted it. And there's like damages that are defined in the law. It's very, you know, so it, that's sort of scary. I think it's bad public relations, but, you know, I mean, there's lawyers involved and, uh, you know, they are not always motivated, motivated by what people think of them. Right. 
Well, let, I'll, I'll say that, um, you know, as a content creator myself and a content and owner of, you know, I oftentimes pay other people to create content on my behalf. Um, I'm all for protecting my materials. Um, I, I believe that, uh, I, you know, completely agree that, um, nobody has a right to reuse that stuff without, you know, my, or in their case, their permission. Um, and the, my, my issue with it is just the way sort of what you were saying, it's the way that they're, that they're going about it. It just seems pretty heavy handed. Now I have questions for both, both Chuck and Dave and Dave, maybe I'll start with you. How, how does this sort of thing impact you at the Center for Gaming Research? I mean, the RJ is obviously a very important source um, for for you guys in the archives and for, for that sort of thing. Does this impact you in any way? Does it does it give you pause? I mean, I can't imagine they would sue the university, but you never know. No, because all the, you know, if it's ever quoted in any kind of paper, that's clearly fair use, and there's tons of, I mean, tons of copyright law backing that up. So that's clearly clearly fair use. The one way it, it is affecting me is I'm definitely not even going to quote an excerpt from any RJ stories going ahead. Now, my dilemma right. is that I write for the business press, which is owned by Stevens, and I'm, I'm still quoting ex- excerpts from those on my blog to point people to that. And I just hope I don't get a call or a letter or whatever from Wright Haven because that would be pretty funny if they – Sued me for yeah. posting content that I wrote for their thing, directing people to their, you know, clearly it's directing people to your site. So, I mean, that I'm still doing, but anything else with them, I'm just not even bothering. Is anyone aware of any of these lawsuits that actually went after someone who just took, like, a graph and maybe or summarized what was in the material and linked back to it, that were someone who act, who used that minimal amount that was sued? I mean, I've seen, you know, other bloggers, I think Dave McKee, you know, keeps writing about how either he or one of his, uh, you know, one of the um, executives over at Las Vegas Advisor is very worried about their susceptibility to a lawsuit. But it's not my understanding reading the uh, stories that um, Steve Green over at The Sun has done a really nice job of, you know, keeping up on, you know, very up to date on these lawsuits. It's amazing how few of them are in the RJ, by the way. Um, but right. the sun the sun has done a pretty nice job of keeping up to date on them and my my reading of those has been that the lawsuits are are, are targeting people who either you know put a big amount of content or the entire stories online right yeah, you, i think you know. i mean you look you look at some of the examples and it, you know they they do seem to be uh, you know examples where people have basically wholesale copied the articles. The thing is, though, if you're, you know, Barbara's catalog, is that really worth seventy-five grand? I mean, wow. Chuck, it doesn't I'm, seem like it. Seems, seems like you should be able to. The, the sensible thing would just be to call up Barb, but. Right, and that you know, and it, it seems like, as far as the, the stories have, are reading, it seems like you know they're settling these cases based on you know some kind of a metric of. How much they charge for reprints, times, traffic levels, and they're you know it's usually a multiple that's far less than the statutory um, the statutory maximum. But um, you know it's 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 still couldn't they they have to pay that lawyer something? Couldn't they just call Barb and you know work something out without getting the lawyer involved? I don't know. But now Chuck, I'm 
I'm interested in, in it from your perspective as a web publisher, um, somebody that runs, you know, not just the main website, but also, you know, you have your message board area, which, which is, you know, anybody can post anything on there. How does this impact you and, and how, and, and what do you do in general when it comes to these kinds of materials? Publishers who are irresponsible deserve to be penalized. Uh, and that includes anybody, myself included. Uh, we have had problems in the past with uh, people copying articles from other locations and posting them onto our uh, bulletin board, uh, which caused me to add a, uh, a notice on the, on the page where you would start a topic uh, that says, please do not post uh, articles from other sources. You know, at most, quote a paragraph and post a link, and more importantly, tell people why you think this article is interesting and your personal opinion. That's what we want to know, not look at what happened today, you know, post the article. And, I, you know, there was one guy who continually kept doing it. Every time he did it, I would remove the article and I would replace it with a link to a thread that I had started basically saying, don't do this and this is why. And, you know, it just had to keep happening. Eventually, this guy, you know, I banned him. Not just for this, but for a bunch of other reasons. He was basically a dick. But, uh, you know, we've been on the receiving end of, of theft as well. Uh, you know, our... Uh, Macau maps, which which was one of the first uh, accurate maps of all the casinos in in Macau, has been lifted by practically everybody. Uh, it's been taken to the watermarks, poached off it, and been repurposed pretty much on every Macau blog everywhere. Uh, the content on, on the Macau website, nobody had written a full English guide, English language guide to all the Macau casinos. You know, the second we did that, all of a sudden Wikipedia filled up with all this information. Uh, you know, and of course there's no links back to us. Uh, uh, six months ago or so, Mike E., the, the phenomenal, our phenomenal contributor, Mike E., visited uh, the Encore apartment and published the first really thorough photographic review of one of the Encore duplex apartments. It's a 25-page Bafo high-res photo review. Within two weeks, it was stolen verbatim, including all the photos which had our watermark cropped out of them and posted to a blog by some guy in the Netherlands. You know, I don't have a million dollars. I don't have money to afford a lawyer, you know, and what am I going to do? I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to sue this guy, but, you know, we found him on Twitter and we shamed his ass publicly and we got all of our readers to start, you know, sending this guy nasty messages and, Eventually, he took it down and he closed his, his Twitter account and everything, you know. Uh, and recently, uh, within the last uh, three or four weeks, four weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, somebody stole our entire website. Uh, they used some kind of bot to uh, crawl, uh, to just crawl through the whole website and copy it to another domain, which was VegasTripping247.com. Uh, they, 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 you know, there was no functionality in there. Like you couldn't log in, you couldn't do anything, and they were using the same like our ads. So we were still theoretically making money, you know, advertising money from this other site. 
you know, you couldn't log in, you couldn't do anything, you come to a lot of pages and things would break and whatnot. But when you do that, you know, it affects like search engine rankings because your content, there's like duplicates out there and whatnot. And so, you know, and, and the, the domain was owned by somebody in Cyprus, and I don't even know where Cyprus is. Uh, and I'm not going to hire a lawyer because it'll cost me $5,000 to stop like $2 worth of, you know, whatever lost revenue pain in the ass. So I contacted his hosting company, which was in Virginia, and I sent them a standard DMCA takedown request, which is, you know, it's basically a form letter that the government says you should send to a, to somebody if they are violating your copyright. And it lists out the arguments of why and what it is and what they've done wrong and where the original is and what it is and that they should take it down. The server company uh, contacted the person and they hosed the server. They took it down. I didn't have to sue the guy. And I don't even know what the story is. I don't even care. Maybe he wanted to keep a copy of something for their own, whatever, his own personal use or something. He could load it onto his laptop or whatever while he's on a plane or he wanted to save it for later. I don't know. It could be all good or, or nothing. I don't know. But uh, I just, you know, if he stole our content and he used a domain that was identical to ours and just, just too close for comfort for me. I'm, I'm, you want to copy it and you want to paste a couple of paragraphs or something or a photo. You know, bloggers and people do this all the time. You know, content gets poached for other people who are making sub-posts of our posts, like, on a daily basis, which to me is a credit. It's like, hey, they think that we're doing good work, and that's great for me. Uh, but but I understand the RJ, and I understand that, that uh, you know, suing a catalog is probably a little too much. But but publishers who are not watching their communities, who who, who generate income off of bulletin boards and whatnot, if they're not eyeballing their community, and not uh, enforcing standards which any uh, webmaster should know, then it's their fault. You know, they kind of have it coming to them whether whether or not you know uh, they they intend to do this or not. You just can't go around stealing things. It's just not right. Well, I definitely agree with that sentiment. Um, it is stealing, and um, I uh, I'm a big believer in um, you know uh, intellectual property owners being able to decide how they want to deal with their materials it's just the crazy world we live in sometimes people go a little bit um, off the wall and once you start outsourcing to some you know arm's length uh, <clears throat> law firm then you get all kinds of weird lawsuits that don't seem to make sense in reality um, but oh by the way check yeah, go ahead. Can I add just one more thing? Uh, I just want to throw this out there. Uh, the Venetian Macau has a Twitter account, and they've been using one of my photos as background to their page. I posted about this about a year ago, which was about a year after they started doing it, and they're still using it. They use it every day. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's Venetian Macau AO, you know, twitter.com slash Venetian Macau. You know, I haven't sued them. I haven't gotten, you know, I, who knows how many thousands and millions of times that this image has been used, and they're using, you know, my photograph to uh, to portray their their company. You know, if if I were to review journal, what do you think I could get out of them? Free dinner and free trip to uh, the Bethlehem Sands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't stay there, so you'll have to bunk the Holiday Inn across the street. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. well, the good news for you would be. 
I don't think that company is very litigious. Um, I think, I'm not sure that they've ever filed a lawsuit. I don't think they've ever been in court. So they'd probably just, whatever your demand was, they would probably just accede to it. So That's right, Chuck. I think I you think should send them a letter. That's a good point, right? I mean, if you think about what they would do if for using their photo, you would have like a $15 million you know, loss of uh, loss of revenue suit against you or something insane. Um, yeah. By the way, I think I believe Cyprus is an island off Greece. Just uh, you okay. Know, so you know. Um, okay, we're up against our time here. Um, probably a couple of topics we're not going to get to. What I do want to do is um, our little recommendation segment. Um, I think I think in terms of I've been thinking of a name for this. And I got some suggestions on Twitter and from other people. I think. Um, the name that I think might work is if maybe we're called the sure bets segment. This, this, these are our sure bets, which kind of makes sense. It goes with the gambling theme. Um, so uh, if you didn't catch this last time, this is a new, newish segment where we um, rec- each recommend something that we think the uh, listening audience might find interesting for whatever reason. It doesn't have to have anything to do with casinos, but it certainly can. Um, let's see. Chuck, let's start with you. My sure bet is Paulson casino chips for the home casino poker player. They're kind of a pain in the ass to find, and they cost a lot of money, but they're the really nice, good clay chips that all the real casinos use. So they're not like some stupid plastic thing, you know, you know that kind of crap. So if you want to play poker with your buddies and really feel those chips the way you feel like when you're in the casino, find yourself some good Paulson chips. They are your sure bet. Nice. Uh, um, Dave, do you got something for us? I sure do. Um, I would like to go into food here, and I would like to put a word in for Montesano's Italian Eateria. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Eateria, Eateria. At uh, 9905 Southeastern Avenue in uh, Henderson, a little bit south of Las Vegas there. Just really good kind of Italian-style, family-style Italian food. Really good stuff. Great, I think, the best pizza in the city. Although a couple other places like Satabello could give give it a run for its money. But just really good pizza, really good food, really laid back, kind of like the anti-strip gourmet place. So really cool stuff. Do they have cannoli? They sure do. Mm. They sure do. Not only that. But they'll even sell you just the uh, shells so you can make your own sauce, Ooh, <laughs> your own stuffing, whatever. Sounds good. Good. Pudding. Uh, um, Jeff, you got something for us? Yeah, um, I, I I think this has been one of the most interesting college football off seasons in a long time. Um, probably of, I mean, I'm a big. Uh, I'm originally from a suburb of Cleveland, and I'm a fan of the. Uh, Cavs and Indians and Browns, uh, um, no condolences necessary, but um, I am, uh, I'm also a, a, a significant Ohio State Buckeye fan, and this offseason has been just incredible for news with conference expansion news, and I think that uh, it's something that has really energized folks all around the country, causing a lot of hand-wringing and um, I, I think that the you know today it was uh, formally announced. I think it was pretty much confirmed earlier that Utah is leaving the Mountain West and joining the Pac-10. So the Pac-10 now has 12 teams, adding Colorado and Utah. You have the uh, Big 12 losing two teams, 
um, Nebraska to the Big Ten and, and, and Colorado, and uh, you know, and then in the Big Ten, obviously gaining Nebraska. Um, you know, to me, it's it's one hopefully just one small step on the way to having a um, national championship tournament in Division One football. The college presidents don't want it. Probably tough to do it with all hundred plus teams, but if we can get a few, you know, sixteen team conferences where their championship games, you know, four sixteen team conferences, their championship games all form quarterfinals, then you take the four winners of the conferences, have them play in a semifinal, and the winner plays in a championship game. Um, you know, it would be it would be tough for those teams left out of the sixteen out of the sixty four conferences. But as an Ohio State fan, um, that's not my big concern. I, so I'm very I, I'm I'm I've really enjoyed sort of watching the news. The news has been coming fast and furious, probably at a ratio of about you know twenty percent fact, eighty percent bullshit or conjecture. <laughs> um, but but it's been a very interesting summer in, in terms of keeping tabs on uh, my favorite sport. So, and, and, and I would also say that, you know, world cup, pretty interesting, except for that be- buzzing B sound that might make me go crazy. So uh, I hope the, uh, hope United States wins tomorrow. Um, and, uh, you know, so go USA. And uh, I can't wait a couple months till a couple months and college football is really here. Nice. All right. Very good. Um, I'm going to be utterly predictable and talk about um, something uh, on my iPad. Uh, friends and whatever, anybody that follows me on Twitter will know that I'm obsessed with my iPad. And one of the things that I do all the time is I, I uh, read a lot of RSS feeds. Um, I have quite a few that I read every day that are part of my sort of um, you know information gathering. And I just I'm just a, a news junkie and interested in all kinds of different things. And so I have a a Google Reader account. Google Reader is their online um, RSS um, feed reading system. So I have a Google Reader account filled with uh, filled with feeds. And on the iPad, there is a, a a brand new app that has actually been on the iPhone, but is now coming has now come to the iPad. It's called Reader R E E D E R, and it's a fantastic um, RSS reader that syncs up with Google Reader. Um, you can get all your feeds uh, downloaded and speed through them and, you know, get your, uh, get your Vegas tripping and your dias cast and your two eight hard three and your whatever you read and like to listen to or like to, uh, like to check out. And, um, it's, uh, it's just a really well put together application. Um, we did a great job on the iPhone and the iPad version, I think is even better. It's become in the uh, week or so it's been out. It's become, uh, one of the apps I'm using, I'm using again and again. So anybody that has an iPad out there and that um, is a RSS person, I would I would definitely recommend um, checking it out. You can get it on the App Store. I think it's like five bucks or something like that. But um, it's a, it's a very cool way to stay up to date with all your stuff. So reader for iPad, I definitely recommend it. All right, that will be it for today. Um, thanks everybody for being here. I'm going to go back around the table, and you guys can tell people where they can find you. And Dr. Dave, we'll start with you. Where can people track you down? Sure, they can track me down at dieiscast.com. Uh, also writing for Vegas Seven, so check that out. AC History and Casino Connection if they're in Atlantic City, 
and also at gaming.unlv.edu where I'm always coming out with all kinds of new reports and other fun stuff. Yeah, de- definitely if you're interested in social media and how it impacts um, you know, Las Vegas casinos, Dave, you just, just released a report on Twitter usage, some interesting stats, um, and breaking it down in a, uh, in a scientific way. So it's, it's very interesting to see, uh, to see how that uh, sort of all comes together. Uh, Mr. Jeff Simpson, how about you? Well, one place I can be found is on a uh, website that uh, you may have know, um, heard about, um, the blog on RateVegas.com, Two-Way Hard 3. Um, and uh, I had my first column a couple weeks ago, and we'll be having uh, another one for this weekend. And uh, really enjoyed the feedback from folks. Uh, anybody who has a uh, question or email for me can email me at SimpsonLasVegas at Yahoo.com. And uh, um, Thanks again, Hunter, for the opportunity to write, to write for your uh, blog. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to have you doing stuff. Actually, it was amazing. You generated quite a discussion with that first one, so it would uh, be interesting to see what comes next. Thanks. Mr. Chuck Monster, how about you? You can find me at what Hunter thinks about Las Vegas, not biz. <laughs> <laughs> not uh, what Hunter thinks about Las Vegas 24-7.biz? <laughs> oh yes, twenty four seven. We changed it. I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah. No. <laughs> Excellent. Um, people can find me at ratevegas.com/slash/blog. Um, thanks to you guys. Have a great weekend. Take care, guys. All right. Bye bye. Okay.